to not be able to train where they want to. For sure. That's really good to hear. Like you guys will be okay. I think it sounds like the businesses who have built the systems and adapted um, through this time will be fine. In fact, they could maybe even make some profit because people still need to stay healthy, right? They still need to stay on top of their habits. Exactly. There's opportunity out there. It's just um, whether or not you sort of like push forward. But it's easy to get into bad habits now, sleeping in. You don't have as much work. There's no coaching. Like no one's really doing as much live. So it means that you feel that you just procrastinate easier. That's the hard part for a lot of people. For sure. Have you, did you, have you felt like you got caught up in that a little bit or have you been just hyper-focused the whole time? Uh, nah, this time around, this, this, this third one, because this is, we've been, we got locked down after the 10 days back first. Mm. So we're in Brimbank, so we've been locked down earlier than everyone else. And this time, uh, this, after this stage four one, I've just been, I've just decided to, to backstep. There's no need. My projects that I'm working on don't need like, five uh, you know eight hours of attention a day so i can sort of get away with working four to five hours mm-hmm. and just just be just just let, let the time pass and just uh enjoy a little bit of downtime because probably been three years without any so right here we go. You, know, you just get caught up in just the day-to-day just doesn't stop right no it doesn't and it's uh it's a never going process when you're got staff and a business because you're always worried about the business and the staff have, how but, have the staff yeah. been because you guys have had other coaches involved yeah our team's amazing we've got one of the best teams going around so there's been no problem they're all doing really well we're all we do like pd together still like the team's been really good um it's just more everyone's sort of personally is fine and then when the business it got to the point where it was sustainable just to like run no loss and no profit that we we would be everyone would be happy then so that's where you're at now yeah we're there and the coaches are really, doing really well so i thought james might have tried to message me but no, I'm good. Sure he is. i just messaged him Beauty. And he's, he's coming beautiful no, i know you guys I, I can't remember if it was james or you who sent that email saying you guys are pretty busy um he is so iron edge he he's like the head honcho there at the moment and they are selling hundreds of thousands of dollars of stock a day well you know what it's yeah of course like guys like me are referring out and like a bunch of coaches and people like so we'll, we'll talk about that right now mm. be interesting to hear because he'll tell you like the some of the some of the stuff i'm sure some of the logistics behind it but yeah what is his exact role like title he is, oh, I'm gonna say. I just admitted him. Where is he? Oh, Joy. Here he comes. He should be coming. No, he just um, there he is. Slow uh, um, connection. Interesting. Um. There he is. He's connecting. That's no, all good. Um, I'll ask him now and then see how he's going. Yeah, go for it. James, let us know if you can hear us all right. I 
I assume that's the art. No, it looks like he's okay, hold him. Here he comes. He's just getting the AirPods on. You sure? You there? Nope. No, but it's really great to hear, Michael, that you, you guys have been okay through it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, our team's good. We've got good people, so we can't complain. Oh, good. he's gone. No, that's great. Um, what What's a key system that you, you guys think that you've maintained that have, has kept the foundation, like, like intact and you guys able to make uh, break even and, and, and keep your coaches there and keep your clients like what's kept that going uh, I, that just comes back to the like the community and the culture that we have like instilled from day one yeah. so it's not just a place where people train they love it there the coaches love it there um, that family feel like you feel a part of something everyone wants to feel a part of something and i think that's yeah. crucial, a sense of crucial good. times like this that you feel a part of something more than just go there to use the facility absolutely well said james can you hear us okay so no the bluetooth headphones you got wire ones oh michael uh, james probably is a bit more tighter on time with everything at iron edge how are you doing do you is that do you want like a hard one hour uh doesn't i've got no issues you're all good <laughs> yeah good man are you able to still go to your gym and still train there no. What? No, I've got a gym here though. That's no, good. you're not allowed to go to your facilities. You're not. Uh, based on the letter of the law, you're not. What is that? What is that actual specific? specific? Like, Unless it's like emergency things for like uh, locking down the facility, uh, things might like someone might have, you, you've got words, someone might be lurking to steal, or yeah. there's like um, trade problems. Technically, you're not meant to go to your own facility. No. Okay. Which is what I'm trying to fight at the moment. I want, I wish, like, if you own a facility, you should be able to go. At, at least for what? For yourself, just to run your own business? Yeah, having a presence is important in a time like this um, for online business because people want to still see and feel a part of it. Right. Damn. I guess I still think a lot of people are probably is, taking risks. Is there, a, is there a um, link for this too? Yeah, we'll put it straight on the Facebook Live once James um, connects his audio. Just go to the Orphic Education Facebook page and you'll see once we go live, you can share that to your page. That'd be great. Yeah, easy. Good man. Do you mind actually giving... Hey, I'm in. Oh, oh. good man. Hey. <laughs> James Russell. Good to... Uh, oh, virtually... Technical difficulties there. No, good. Um, obviously, you guys know each other pretty well, but um, it's... Never great. met before in my life. <laughs> Doesn't look like a trustworthy guy either. Look at him. Uh, we'll see in this call. We'll see by the end of it. Um, but appreciate you guys I taking the time. Oh, we're here to team up, not take each other down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. nah, cool. All right, let's do this. So, oh, James, what's your title uh, at Iron Edge? I couldn't tell, Alex. Uh, business development, mate. We all wear a lot of hats there, though. It's kind of a company that obviously started up again a few years ago, and it's just grown so quickly there so you know everyone's sort of grown into wearing quite a few hats and 
covering quite a few roles. I do a lot of business development, networking, um, product conceptualization and helping with the design process as well. Um, yeah, it's a great role actually. It gives a lot of flexibility and a lot of scope. We just went live now, so you guys can share that to your pages whenever you'd like. But um, yeah, that's actually probably the place I wanted to start for you, Michael and James. No, it's all good, Michael. Um, yeah, sorry, I was just trying to share it for you. No, good man. If you guys can give like, for the people who don't know you, just a brief introduction into who you guys are and, and how you guys got here um, to your places where you are. Go on, Mike, you go first, mate. No, you get you go first because I'm going to share this to a few pages. So okay, cool. Get in there. Um, my name is James. I am an exercise science background. Um, worked in a few semi-elite team sports over the years. Uh, my passion is conditioning for field-based sports, but I also now have moved across into business development for Iron Edge. How did how did that? Well, actually, well, I, I'll pause that. I don't want to okay. get too ahead of myself. Um, Michael. I know you own a facility in Melbourne. Yep. Give a give a background on that, if you don't mind. The the short version. Yes. I'll, I'll try to keep it brief to a point. Um, so I co-own actually co-own Melbourne Fitness and Performance, where I'm sitting right now. Uh, I wish I was in there. Unfortunately, we're not allowed in our facilities at the moment. So virtual background for the start of this uh, webinar. But I co-own it with. Um, two of my good mates who are also coaches as well, Mitch Craze and Mitch Greaves. So we work together now. That's been a, it's a process um, of the last three years of hard work to get to where we are now. And now we're trying to push forward more into the rehab and strength and conditioning fields as, as our primary um, operations of business and a lot of stuff and a lot of awesome things happening at our facility down that pathway. But to get there, the journey was, like everyone, start at uni, get my first job, gym instructor, and then take any opportunity I could get to get experience in the field of strength and conditioning, leading me down the path um, of a four, four years after my degree to go back, do my master's, continue that path, uh, keep working, trying to get elite sport, uh, knocked on the door plenty of times, was right there a few times, and then just missed out at the last hurdle, someone else gets the gig, uh, and then got the opportunity into the private industry to work. Thought it was a good opportunity to sort of go down that pathway, had a big interest in American sports and things they were doing over there and wanted to sort of go into this path of working for yourself and running your own facility and business. And yeah, then just took the leap of faith actually with a different business owner, uh, partner, sorry, back in the day, Christina. So shout out to her. Uh, wouldn't have done this without her back then so she has no interest at all in this stuff she didn't really care for it but uh, wanted to help me and believed in my vision and wanted to jump on board and now she's living a luxury life in uh, Santorini really uh, love that not too bad turnaround over that for her but um, yeah no just uh, it's been a process a process of always taking every opportunity never never saying no and taking the best out of it, out of it all pushing forward to constantly evolving your coaching skill set and your network so that you have a big network to pull from so wasn't a rush i wasn't in a rush i think that's important to really let people know to push forward in this industry you don't want to rush rushing into trying to open a facility early on in your career is a silly move 
you need to go out and work with others to learn, to get ideas, to develop, to develop like work ethic and behaviors. And then that will help develop your coaching philosophy. And I think it is important to have a few jobs like at different places and to bridge off and do different things, whether you work mainly at one facility, but be off and doing other things in our industry is crucial to your development as a coach. So um, all those experiences will help you and then you'll find your path because there's a lot of pathways within this industry and just owning a facility or working elite is not all there is. There's yeah. plenty of other things you can be doing. I wonder then, that's, that's, a, that's a really good uh, kind of opening up of the conversation. I wonder how do you guys know when it's the right to take that next, that next step? Like James, how did you know when it was right to step up in that position at Iron Edge and, or even like you guys can talk about in regards to whether um, you've thought about opening up your own uh, other facilities in the past or the future and Michael how did you know and what do you tell to those young trainers who also so many want to start gyms like what do you think of the prerequisites like how do you really know whether the time is right I think it's different for different people. I mean, we all want different things out of this industry. It depends on your motivation for why you get involved in it. I think we all start off with a, a pure passion for exercise training, physiology, anatomy, things like that. And then we all sort of, through exposing ourselves to as many different variations or as many different fields in that industry as possible, you eventually find one that resonates with you the most. With me, you know, I've tried team sport, individual sport, I've been private, you know, I've, I've done a range of different things. I've done research. Um, and I think for me, just the commercial side and the scalability of what I do and having a bigger impact over the equipment that we use within the industry from an actual strength and conditioning coach's viewpoint was what resonated with me, but it'll be different for, for, every, for everyone out there, I suppose. Yeah, I feel like there's so many opportunities and in, in so many sort of ways you can go once you've done an exercise science degree and you have to kind of go and test a few. So uh, I went down the path of learning a bit more about nutrition. I've done all the stuff to do with rehabilitation, like chronic injury stuff to a degree, to a point. And I've also then done uh, education, worked at a university, Cert 3 and 4, and coaching was always the one that I wanted to go back to the most. And then having my own facility was something that came later once I had all the skills and I knew that I could develop all the content, all the um, systems and things in place. And they're still not perfect because um, learning the back end business side of business is crucial. And there isn't any super short courses on that yet, but I'm sure there'll be some soon because those things is those things as a coach are things that we don't look into as much. So from my perspective, it's, it's like everyone says, you have to put time into anything to be good at your craft. You're not a specialist from day one. You've got a little bit of knowledge. Sometimes that's dangerous. That's great. Um, just be humble in your approach to continually develop your ideas and concepts because something will come out and prove what you were thinking three months ago wrong and something will be better and it's constantly evolving and to keep up with it and to try and uh, preach just one way is starting to fall over. You can't just go, this is the only way, this is what we have to do. You have to be multifaceted and you have to understand a lot of different elements in order to be the best coach you can be. So people used to say you have to specialize. There's definitely opportunity for specialists. You can be a specialist speed coach. You can be a specialist strength coach. 
you can be a specialist conditioning coach you can be a specialist mental coach but what we're seeing now is that you need to have skills in all those areas so you've got to be able to develop them and that takes time you can't just go i'm going to be good at this thing tomorrow you have to go spend as much time as you can and it might take a year or two and then you move on to the next and then you constantly keep topping up the other the stuff that you've been learning whilst you keep learning new things and i think it's just a, a process um, and eventually you have to take a risk no risk no reward and it's but you want to go with a calculator risk knowing that you can back yourself in um, and i feel like just spending a little bit extra time before you go for that top of the line job or opening your own facility is is crucial to your development okay so you've got to try everything don't you you just need to go out and work with as many different coaches from as many different backgrounds and sports and institutions as possible and the more you expose yourself to the quicker you're going to find your little niche or your little section of the industry which you're particularly passionate about and it has to be something that you're really passionate about you're interested in because it makes the transition a lot easier it's not a chore to learn and develop yourself in that field it's it's a passion it's something you love and therefore you'll be good at it but i mean i interned in five six seven different places worked for six or seven different organizations and worked with so many different coaches until I found what I wanted to do. I, if you'd asked me week one, day one at university, if this is where I was going to end up, nah, because I didn't know what was out there. You've got to try it all and then your options will show themselves What was that, what you want to do. What was that feeling like for you guys? Like, how did you know this was the thing that you guys wanted to, like once you found that, got to that point, like what was that feeling? You just feel like, you feel like you're home, you know what I mean? Like, you know you're searching for something, you're trying to find your own little niche, you're trying to carve out your own little niche, but you know, it just doesn't quite fit. But as soon as you hit it, you just know, you love getting out of bed in the morning, you love going to work, and it just it just feels right. There's no other way to explain it to me. Yeah, it's the environment, the environment that um, of something that where you just, exactly right, you feel at home, you feel comfortable, um, you, can do, you can do your best work doesn't feel like a chore if you have to work long hours you 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 enjoy it so if that's something that is happening if you're resenting the work ethic to get forward it's not gonna it's not the right place for you so if, if you're not enjoying the work then it's probably the wrong pathway you need to find something else because although there's always a little bit of stuff we don't enjoy as much as the other part um, you've got to find a way to enjoy all aspects of it to some degree because end of the day if you don't enjoy what you do it will come across to the people that you're with and then your environment will be bad and a poor environment leads to you know, unhappiness which will mean that you're not in the right spot and you won't do what you can do absolutely well said um i now you both are in well we're all in unique situations but james you especially with iron edge you got just like all these other gym equipment companies you guys have had huge spikes in uh, demand right but supply obviously wasn't necessarily prepared for the huge demand i wonder like there's so many points to touch on but as a business how are you guys how have you guys been managing the overwhelm of you know the huge spike in in demands like yeah how has that been this is a, a good point to touch on because you know we are copping a bit of stick from customers at the moment for taking a while to get back to people but just to give you a little bit of context 
you know, we have probably one of the strongest manufacturing supply chains out of the majority of equipment companies in Australia. We're one of the oldest and, and most efficient companies, but there's no way we could ever have predicted the amount of demand that has come, you know, particularly on March 23rd when, you know, we were up five to 10 times as many orders as we would normally get with still, and we're a small crew, we're a, a scaled business, we're a purely online business now. A lot of our staff are contractors where, um, you know, we're a small element in HQ and it just hit us so hard. So we're lucky we've got the logistics and manufacturing chain that we do, but we've actually hired five um, strength coaches who weren't working at the time. So through my network, and I'll give a shout out to a couple of the guys, Chris Ross, James Ballantyne, Dylan Bickley as well, oh. and Jess Ryan. So all, all the strength coaches whose other work was down. So we've got them in the office now and literally our admin team has grown four or five times as much in the last couple of months just to meet demand. But, you know, our, our manufacturers pumping stuff out for, you know, pumping out as much equipment as they can, but yeah, it's just a slow process. We're clearing most of the orders out now and starting to be, you know, in a good position with stock. But yeah, there was just no way to see it coming. It's cra- It's been absolutely crazy. I've never seen anything like it before. The systems that you guys have, what do you think they are that have kept you guys performing so strongly throughout the years? And even in this time, you know, you said you're, you know, you're manufacturing um, your supply chain processes. I think even though I don't like as a coach and health professional, like as many people listening, they might not be able to relate, but I think there are like actual tangible systems and lessons that you can take from all these different businesses. So what is Iron Edge's version that has kept them strong in this? That's a good point. And, you know, I think that where I am today, I've done a lot of different jobs over the year. And out of every single one of those jobs, I've taken some sort of processes or or some sort of skills or attributes out of it, which I apply. And I think everyone's the same. So there's definitely some lessons to be learned from from this, we've got a good captain at the head of the ship, um, Rick Ravensdale. He he leads the he heads up Iron Edge. It's it's his business, and he's a he's a very dynamic thinker. He responds very quickly. He makes good decisions, and he leads the team really well. But also, we've got with our hires and and taking on these the the staff that we have in the last couple of months, we've hired people with you know good intelligence, flexibility. They're dynamic. They know the industry inside and out and know the equipment inside and out as well. So straight away, they were able to jump on phones, emails, deal with customers and speak knowledgeably about, you know, what's happening, what's, you know, where the, you know, what the equipment is, how best to use it and guide people. Because what we found is the majority of our business coming in is not existing customers. These are actually people that haven't been exposed to Iron Edge in the past. The lockdown has caused everyone to, to, locked down and isolated in their houses and everyone wants a home gym. So these aren't people that are currently in our database. So these are people who are probably relatively inexperienced with equipment. And having the 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 ability of the coaches that are in the office to be able to speak knowledgeably from an experienced background has, has helped straight away. But but also, yeah, we've just everyone's quite dynamic. Everyone's able to do little bits and pieces of everything. We've got a strong team down there and I think if I'm to put anything down to um, my experiences in life, the most important thing is the people. It's got nothing to do with the product and what your tasking is. If you get good people in, good people will be flexible. They'll be intelligent enough to pivot and meet whatever the demand is. 
and you're always going to be successful. I think that's yeah, I couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. Sorry, I couldn't agree more. The team and the community and the people you have around you and what you instill in them and what they instill in you is crucial. Like unexpected things like this, like you can't plan for. You have to react, react, repair, improve. That's what we made our model around. So first thing we had to do, react. Holy shit, let's do something. What are we going to do? And I tried to reach out to James and said, can I get some... Uh, special equipment orders for some of my athletes and clients. Really? It was a no. You could could have done it. Really? We got nothing. We, had, we were cleaned out oh, within wow. hours. Holy so shit. react, react, do what we could. So we just gave out all our equipment. Uh, to our coaches instantly got on, created new programs, create new light, live workout streams. And our members and clients and athletes got around it. And then we try to repair it, make it better and improve the model so that we um, had strategies going forward. Not expecting 10 days after we get to open again to lock down again. Uh, probably should have planned a little bit around that and try to get, we try to get a little bit more equipment for people, trying to get people aware and our clients were aware to have equipment so we had more things. Because at the end of the day, uh, the one thing that we know from something like this is your health and fitness and, and vitality and wellness is, is crucial because if you're healthy, fit, got good vitality and uh, you catch a you know foreign disease or sickness, illness, you want to be strong internally to support your body going through whatever it's going through and, and fighting. And I think people are starting to realize that, hence why everyone wants to do something better at home. And you know we're locked down and you're seeing people out, out and about running, doing stuff that they've never done before yeah. because they start to understand a little bit more around the connotations behind having poor health. And yeah, I feel what's like- that, What's that Mark Rippletoe comment? A stronger person is harder to kill? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I think that just having the right people around you, the team uh, that are flexible, work hard and, and wanna be there and will do the extra things without being asked is crucial to success of any business at the end of the day. Um, this, is, this is perfect because I can see, you can see the similarities in the conversation. If you notice, James, you talked about um, you know having people with multiple skill sets, right? And then Michael, at the start of the conversation, you alluded to the fact that you know not trying to necessarily specialize straight up, but getting a dynamic um, overview of experiences. And you can see the parallels from industry to industry, and that that is the underlying consistency which is really interesting and then you guys talked about people skills or just rather people are the number one thing but you know people are dynamic people can be chaotic people can be unpredictable and we can see that through this time so what traits what characteristics for you guys do you think like are your key priorities when you're looking to hire people work with people colleagues even business partners and relationships if if I go back to my early days, you know, I started my adult years in, in, in the forces and in the RM commandos. And, you know, this is something we focused on heavily. It's all about team dynamics. It's all about, you know, specific personalities and stressful and arduous environments and being able to complement each other and work together as well. And, you know, it's not necessarily the most exemplary human beings that work well as a team. It's actually the people who, are cohesive and bond together they actually achieve more because you are you are the the sum of your team basically equals your success so you know for me it's, it's been something i'm extremely interested in and 
a good book to read, which uh, Durham McInnes put me onto, is The Culture Code by Dan Coyle. That's a great little book there, which goes into team cohesion of the most successful teams in the world. You know, Navy SEAL Team 6, it goes into some basketball teams, it goes into a whole range of different things. But for me, it's such a complex dynamics of different personality constructs that need to be facilitated and managed. And I think that a good leader at the head of that, who's not able to, who doesn't micromanage and demand things, but just is aware of different people, their behavioral styles, their communication, and is able to facilitate those people to come together. And you've got an unstoppable force. Yeah, probably can't add too much to that. Uh, cohesiveness in, in that, like, uh, I guess that camaraderie together, there's going to be a commonality, but then having someone who is a leader that does exactly the same as everyone. So my example goes back to the All Blacks book. Uh, and if you've never read that, it's a great read on their winning culture and why they're so successful. It's that the, normally what happens is the younger players coming through a system or team are the ones that have to do all the grunt work for the olders. Like in American football, you hear of it. It's like they make the young rookies take them out for dinner and they make them pay for these exorbitant meals and things. But in the All Blacks culture, it's after the game, the captains, the old, the uh, older players, the leaders of the team per, per se are actually the ones cleaning the sheds up, doing the grunt work and um, leading forward with like how we as an organization or team work together. So um, I still clean my gym every week. I still clean the toilets. Um, I still do all the things that is required of any of the team and coaches and like you know i'm in there if we expect people to train i expect my team to train so if i expect them to train i've got to train so you've got to have the the cohesiveness and the leadership coming from someone that you want people to sort of be like but then you have got to allow for individuality so people have to have their own niche in within the, the scope of that cohesiveness and bring together when you mix it together and it takes time you have to go through process sometimes you think someone might be perfect for your team and that's not always the case and they'll find that that's they'll you know th that person may leave um, and eventually you'll get there because you start to you, you know you, you attract the people that want to be around you and so similarly most likely they've got similar traits to you and that's the environment that will grow and foster uh, around the the people that are there and then you once you have that powerful team and you have a unit that works together it's it's really hard to stop momentum's like important like momentum will come and it's really hard to stop that uh, development and you'll find that you once you're in that environment you don't want to leave it because it's really hard to find so it, it but it takes time it takes time you know mike is actually probably one of the best people's people i've met at building a strong culture as well and like i said i've been in a lot of different environments over the year and it's not often i give give mike a chuck up or, or say anything positive about him gives him a big head but one thing i've noticed because i work we worked together for a number of years at gw performance and you know obviously kept in contact and seen what he's doing with mfp mike has a rare ability to be able to build rapport and buy-in with people as well he creates a, an atmosphere that you know people around him love to be a part of as well his personality is a testament to well mfp is a testament to his personality obviously he's got co-directors there now but you know he's raised that thing himself and created a really strong culture and community there, which is probably why it's so successful. How have you been able to do that, Mike? Like, yeah, how did you build that? Oh, thank you, James. Oh, that's really kind of you. 
considering you were uh, bantering me out before offline when, everyone, when no one was listening, I appreciate that compliment and I'll take it. Um, I mean, I always just like reflect back to what I did when I was coming up as a young coach and what environment did I actually want to be in. So one of the examples I can give was I got the AIS placement. So they give out um, one placement S&C every year and I won that and I went up to the AIS pumped best best thing you could probably get coming out uh, whilst you're still at uni third year when they used to have it and i went up there and i was like uh super excited for the opportunity to be in that environment because i sort of saw institute as the where i wanted to go at this time and i got up there and and it really come back to um like i know how hard it must be for people at times when you have like young coaches and people come in all the time because it's every year for them it's the same process and there's some really good people out there and and i felt like i just went and put in as much effort to go to any opportunity i could so if there was a five o'clock session i'd turn up to the five o'clock if there was a 7 p.m that night i'd go there whatever they were doing if they were just doing recovery if they were doing a field session and i could sneak along i would go to anything that anyone would let me go to and then um uh, you end up becoming f- sort of friends with one one of the coaches more and ended up becoming friends with and um, learning from a coach up there, Lou. And she was, she's actually a professional athlete herself in rugby. And so from up that, and she actually then invited me into all this back end stuff, which you normally wouldn't get to do. And for me, I was like, oh, this resonates with me. Like this relationship that you have with a coach and someone you're working with and helping how can I foster this? So then I had to look but the next year, the next year, the VIS placement was up and I went for that and seven of us got it. And after three months, there was only two of us left. So it was the worst time you could ever get the VIS one year internship uh, because it was a transition point. So they lost their head honcho D Jennings and then they brought in their new guy, Harry from the UK. But there was like a gap in the middle where neither of them were there and then when harry came all the coaches were so focused on keeping their jobs and then like showing how good they were so that they could be a part of the team with harry that if you were an intern you were just down the bottom so for the first three months we basically were in the gym just cleaning it standing around watching and asking questions where we could but no coaching no direction of programming and learning got past that three month hurdle there was two of us left and then the coaches opened up and i don't know if that was a test Mm. or what it was but then they opened up and we started to learn a lot from them we got to coach their athletes they give us opportunities to program and so i I took from that experience it's like what sort of environment do you want to work in and and it's like from both of those instances instantly it's the time where i'm collaborative with the coaches and the people in the team not necessarily when I'm by myself or just trying to like uh, feel like things are sort of dictated at you and told. So the word boss is banned from our gym where there's no boss. There's no bosses. I don't, I don't believe in that word. Um, no one's the boss of anyone. You know, we work together. We're all trying to do the same thing. So team, team, team ethos and team MFP is what we sort of brand and philo- it's part of our philosophy. It's part of our four P's of um, our pillars so packed performance, precision, and power. Um, and so it just echoes down from those experiences. And I wouldn't have had them and if I didn't stick it out and 
go through those processes of, of not enjoying something to then enjoying it. And I think that's a crucial part of um, your development. That's a great story. Um, I think there's a lot of little nuggets in there. I'm like, which which one do we, I want to dive down. But I think testament to you, Mike, is that you kept going. There's two, two of you left. Like nearly everybody else left for whatever reason, right? But you and another person remained. And I think that's a lesson in in life. And it's like, you're, going, you, you, you're eating shit for a little bit of time and you got to go through that to get to the other side and you got to the other side and then you the doors opened yeah 100 percent. you have to you have to um, sustain yourself through bad times because you've got to look for the the gems that are around and yeah. you have to be able to work hard and push through some some things that you're not enjoying as much to get there and it comes back to your worth work ethic and what you truly want and then i think i believe that that was instilled from me because uh, my mom made me get a job when I was nine years old. So I was a paper boy with my brother so we could get a PlayStation 1. Nice. Um, so I sort of was used to working from a young age. And I think that was a um, testament to that learning experience as a young boy from my mom. So, which is hard to get these days. Like I've got athletes and their parents do everything for them. They're 16, 17 years old. So they, you know, they're not, they're, yeah, they've got to learn different elements there. But probably we have to find other ways around it. And the S&C industry is an extremely competitive industry. You're going to get knocked back more times than you're actually going to get accepted. There's so many people applying to so many roles. And I suppose this brings us on to the whole regulation of wages and internships versus paid work and things. That's probably a bit of a hot topic to discuss right now as well. Well, let's discuss it then. What do you keep going, James? (laughs) Like, what are you thinking and feeling in regards to that? All right, so it's been a a topic of contention for quite some time now. I mean, there's this element of you've got to gain experience in the field to to be able to work at the top level. Right. Um, But also you've got to be able to pay your bills as well because, you know, most people finishing a degree, 21, finishing a master's, maybe 23, 24, you know, they're sort of too old to be living at home and do need to branch out and, and start supporting themselves and moving through life. But if the model that we currently have is, 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 is the baseline, you know, you're looking at five, six years plus a postgraduate degree before you can even get a look in at a, at a semi-elite level to start working, working your way up through the, the elite sporting system. I think a lot of people have expectations that they're going to finish their degree and go straight into high performance at the AFL level, but it's just not the case. In fact, probably, you know, 2% of coaches will end up working at that top paid level in sport. And I think that a lot of these organizations, um, they manipulate that or they, they use that against you as well. You know, they give you this little snapshot of here's the end goal in sight. You come and work with our under 16s, our under 18s for four or five years, work your way up slowly. We're not going to pay you anything. It's, just a good opportunity for you and they rely on that opportunity selling it to you and I think that yeah I just don't think that'll float what other industries do you go into where you're not earning anything even as a you know and sort of doing an internship in any other profession you're going to be on minimum wage you're going to be on 40 50k at least which is enough to sustain yourself while you're building the relevant knowledge and experience to move up through through the industry so 
But then again, I also think we shoot ourselves in the foot. There are people out there accepting these volunteer positions. And as long as that happens and they're getting such an influx of CVs and people requesting the jobs, there's not much that can be done about it. They're going, yeah, sweet, we'll just keep chucking it out. Someone will apply, someone will do it. So, you know, it's a bit of a conundrum, really. Well, and I'm, I'm going to get your thoughts on this, Mike, but, um, and I see one of, the, one of the loudest voices on this is Christian Woodford. Like, it infuriates him to no end, regardless of what you think about him. He has, he has a very strong opinion on, um, on trying to raise that standard and, and you know, not... I think, Go ahead. Yeah, so I think on it, it's like, uh, if you're in a lead organization, then there has to be some sort of re- remuneration. Like, hands down now, that's not acceptable. Elite organizations, they've got to have some form of remuneration in there. You know what gets me is, right, we're, we're often some of the most educated people in a team sport. Coaches don't have any degrees. A lot of the staff there won't have any formal education. Yet an SNC will more than likely have a master's. So we're some of the most educated people, even in the allied health. But we get nothing, and they get paid a normal wage, if not a minimum wage. Like, how have we got ourselves into this position? It frustrates me. Yeah. We're more educated. We're probably more experienced and definitely more passionate, yet we're the worst paid. And I think we've got to um, also look back at Australian junior sport and collegiate sport is not like is not the same as where we look at America and go, of oh, course. there's opportunities at college sport, at juniors, high schools. Like our school system is growing and there's better opportunities coming through that pathway. But it's evolving, and we're a population of 26, like 27 million people, versus, you know, over overseas we've got 500 million people, 300 million people. It's so when we try to scale ourselves to those models, it's never going to be the same. Like, can we get better at university level, and should there be a big influx of university sport and 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 opportunities uh, for coaches, athletes, and so forth that to sort of bridge the gap of them together. Um, I've definitely tried to push that a little bit with some of the unis around here. They don't sort of uh, go down that pathway because they don't see it as a big market. University sport won't be sold upon like it is at college level. High school is probably our biggest and best opportunity uh, in the next growth factors. And that's where young coaches will get opportunities, uh, especially if you're employed at a school, you're gonna get paid. But the elite sector, it, it really has to come down to now that um, as, a, as an industry, as coaches and, and, and those like leading the front is that we can't stand for like those elite sort of level internships for free because we know the workload is far beyond anything other than five hours a week. That's just your travel time most of the time. You're expected there three, four days a week, turns to 20, 25 hours. Plus, then you want to be the best you can be. So you're spending time researching and learning so you can turn up and come in with the information. I feel like that model has to has to drop off, but you'll never be able to change the model at, let's say, TAC Cup level where they just don't have the money. But there's opportunity to get experience with good athletes. So you've got to go down there. But then you have to be smart. How can you then generate income from that? You have to then take it away and have, an, have a facility or somewhere where you can get athletes to come to you train with you where there's a, a fee involved and i think that's where we're starting to see big shifts with the private industry booming and lifting for those opportunities for coaches and people that want to work with athletes that are ju- more junior junior sort of um to college level age before the pro level and and we're seeing a big influx from parents now seeing that as a huge opportunity for their kids and that's where we'll see our biggest growth as an industry coming forward. But the the top line, 
the internships that are free that say they're not low touch points that are huge that it's just non-negotiable now don't apply leave them if they're free and let's keep pushing forward to get those things renumerated do you think like that's if that message could be told to like all coaches in australia and they could adhere to that like all right we're on the path but know your worth know your worth value the the experience that you've gained over the years and the amount of money you've spent to get there and know your worth you know there are certain times like mike says where you're going to have to you know, get your foot in the door with a little bit of experience. But as soon as you start playing a crucial part to that to that organization, yeah. you should be getting remunerated 100%. Know your worth. And that's you having the courage to ask for that, right? But people are going to be afraid because they don't want to lose the position because it's good experience, right? Yeah, 100%. There's, there's no strength in numbers here. This is the problem. And I'm yeah. not going to get too political and mention any organizations here. We'll, no, no, we'll keep that out of the... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my place to do that. But what I will say is that, you know, what you notice about most other strong organisations is look at the Fireys, for example. Their union is so strong. They're led. They're united. So whenever there's a conflict or an issue, the whole organisation comes together, backs their union representatives, and they have strength in numbers. That's something that we don't have in, in strength and conditioning exercise sports science. We're effectively lone agents doing our own thing and hoping to change the tide by ourselves. It's never going to work. We need a strong organizational body to step up and actually start taking action on our behalf and trying to regulate the industry instead of just trying to charge for courses and registration. Oh, that, uh, that what you will. Yes. That, that leads us to a, um, a, a good <laughs> loophole into um, the Melbourne Strength and Conditioning Coaches Group, James. It, no, really, perfectly you're, does. You're really good at uh, bridging <laughs> between the next topic there. <laughs> No, no, but it does because like there's so many places to go. With you, you guys are known for having that Melbourne Strength and Conditioning Coaches Group, you know, with over a thousand people in it, which is a, an amazing thing. And like that's part of the solution here, right? But how far does this go? Does this look for you guys looking at something in the future where we turn Melbourne Strength and Conditioning Group into a, I don't know, regulating body or some type, something that's involved in the government system? Um, or, let's un yeah. let's unwind it though. Let's unwind it because I think there's an important story to be told here, and James needs to get some credit with what he's done to get that group to where it is, and, and how much effort that that goes behind the scenes that people don't understand, and, and the networks and the, the doors that get opened in order to um, create something that you know people. It's, again, it's that feeling of belonging. People in that group feel like they belong to something. But what is it and how did it start and the effort and um, kudos to James for doing that because Absolutely. it was the perfect time. And he's had to fight some battles that people don't know about in order to sort of like, where did it go? What did he do? Who did he align with? How does it evolve? Um, but he stuck to his ethos and his um, morals and, and that group's a testament to his efforts there. So I think it's important to, for him to unwind that story to the start and, and let us know about the inception and the idea behind it. Please. Well, actually, the reason why I started that, because it was 2015 when I started that group, and I just added, you know, 30 sort of people directly related to me because of exactly that. We were a completely independent force, all off doing our own things and, and off pushing our own agendas, and we weren't accomplishing anything. I found that a lot of people knew of each other. There were some big personalities in the industry. 
no one really knew each other. Everyone was a bit cautious and competitive. And it was just a kind of a toxic way to be. We were pulling ourselves apart. So I thought, let's create a group of like-minded people. We're all united by a common passion for exercise science, strength and conditioning in some way, shape or form. That should bring us together instead of all the little infighting and, you know, sort of tearing each other apart. So I created this group and the idea originally was to help people get ahead in careers through networking. So bring people from different sports, different backgrounds, different interests, still under the, the, the strength and conditioning umbrella to share those and become better, but also to become united and be able to, you know, use our united power for more. One of those things was to be able to have some big name presenters come. You know, we had quite a few people who were interested in seminars. Therefore, we had quite a bit of buying power. You know, we've had people from the States. We've had Brett Bartholomew come out. We've had Dan Baker. We've had Christian Barton, Jill Cook. We've had some pretty big names come and present over the years. And, you know, it was great to have the education, but my sneaky little ulterior motive was networking. Bring people together get people from different aspects of the industry all in one place and get them talking. And I was so amazed and it was such a positive environment to be a part of. I absolutely loved it. I got to meet some fantastic people. My network's grown immensely. And I'd like to think that, you know, anyone who's been a member of the group for the last five years has been as well. And it just shows that it doesn't take much. Everyone's along, everyone's wanting the same thing. You just need someone to facilitate that. I didn't take charge. I didn't dictate. I literally just put it out to the group. What do you guys want? How do you want me to go about it? And then I was just a facilitator. Everyone else in the group did most of the work. They were really enthusiastic about it and really positive about it as well. You know, it, it, it started to get people working together as a unified force as opposed to slamming each other down competitively because they were trying to get the best, the next best role. And I think. You know, I haven't been doing my due diligence because I've been very busy with work for the last year or two and I've sort of really let the group slip and haven't had much to do with it, which is why when, you know, Mike and I were chatting maybe a month or so ago and he's, you know, he's in a good place right now and has some great ideas to facilitate the group, it was a no-brainer. You know, he's, I think he wants to tell you a little bit about the direction. I just wanted to tell you a little bit about the origins, why I started it, you know, what it's all about. And then, you know, I'm excited about the next chapter with where Mike can take it. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that. So the ethos of the group is really important that it's it's the coaches for the coaches. And it's not um, just like, here's what we're doing. It's, it's an open collaborative approach. And um, interestingly, like uh, just from start the start, you can see just from getting a few things going that people want to belong and they want to feel a part of something, but they want to have an input. Like everyone wants that. Everyone wants to hear them, hear their voice or have a say. But I, it also, um, we've just started some new forums and things which is sort of starting to gain momentum. People are getting involved, really good discussions. But the way that people are doing it, it's um, really respectful, good information provided. And there might be differing opinions, but people aren't just in there trashing people, which is what social media has turned to these days. It's just like, whether you trash someone face to face on this, on their story or on their feed, or you, you know, you might trash them behind a closed door with your mates. Um, not that it's not a bad thing to discuss other people and what they do and, and to form your opinions and to debate against what you don't believe in and find out the reasons why I think it's important and it's good to have the way in which we do it um, is sort of shifted too far 
probably to being too negative and we need to create good discussions around topics that can be mediated to help us form better opinions and understand ideas. So what the idea now is, is to sort of start um, bringing the group back together with information sharing. And you've got a lot of like really good people in the group who have a lot of information and input and is uh, very active in, in sharing things on social media. So how do we manifest that to not become something where you're still just promoting people's businesses or their workshops or events? Um, it still needs to be regulated from that perspective that it doesn't just become a marketing tool to other coaches because that's it, that's an important part of it. Uh, we have to be able to stand for something and what that is and where we take it. So James started at Melbourne Strength and Conditioning Coaches. Um, we've done a few polls and things and it, we're looking to shift the name uh, to Victorian Athletic Performance Coaches and that opens us up to then having speed coaches um, nutritionists, potentially osteos, physios, people that are interested in athletic performance, being a part of the environment and community, because you can learn more. And it's a learning, it's a learning hub. And I'm sure the growth of it will allow us to then start to push to help control what our industry is doing, especially in Victoria, because if you've got a powerful entity of all the best people in your uh, environment that are leading together, um, I'm, I'm sure there's big opportunities down the down the track with that, and we'll get back to bringing the workshops out again. You got a thousand people that pay a hundred dollars. That's a hundred thousand dollars. You can bring in any person in the world to present for a hundred grand. So I'm pretty sure any coach in the world would want to come out. And that's not a like from one person's perspective, a hundred dollars isn't you know these this day and age for your education. That's not much. It's very doable. Um, it's just about a matter of that that power working as a team and cohesive together and but yeah you got to have someone to facilitate they have to be unbiased and they have to be able to uh, I guess look past and make make the st strategic decisions and even being a one person won't work so unbiasedly I'm looking at uh, putting together a team so obviously I've got my team at MFP but if I put three guys from my team into that team, instantly it's biased. Yeah, of course. So I can't, I can't have that. So I'm gonna hmm. looking to put together a team of about five people who will be a soundboard, um, who I can discuss some of the topics with because some of the stuff that's coming up and the, that that is important for us to then reach out to the group around is like, how do we promote other coaches so that everyone has a fair growth opportunity? Because at the end of the day, networking's cool. But then how do we share and grow with the people that are in the community to help help people get forward? Because at the end of the day, we want everyone to be successful. There's enough people in Melbourne for everyone. One coach really only needs 20 athletes to have a successful business. Absolutely. Individually, as a as an organization, you probably need more like 200, 250. So um, how do we then tap into the market to help people get there? and what is it that we evolve to become um i think becoming a, a board and power uh, and a governing body is a bit a bit far-fetched but having a way that we can then influence those organizations i think will be important uh, versus starting out to try and become that um whether whether that happens in 10 years who yeah. knows but right now i think that's far beyond where we want to go um, as a community I think influencing governing bodies and being involved in opportunities 
strength in numbers, mate. Strength in numbers. Yeah, that, that's where we sort of hold our um, our values and, and what we can definitely have a big say in. That is really exciting. Like to hear the future of what could be and what is becoming um, is really exciting. And that's how you change an industry, right? That's how you raise the standard by strength in numbers, one person at a time and then bringing those professionals from across the world and giving the opportunity for everybody to upskill. Um, have In this time, have you have you guys thought about um, like hosting a, like a, like a list, like a live from all different coaches around around the world and getting people like that doing it virtually, doing like a, like a seminar online conference? I, I actually, if I was gonna continue, was gonna, was thinking about turning it into, instead of the, the big name presenters coming over, um, just doing it all online, moving the group online. But it went against the main reason that I created the group, which was networking. So the seminars are just a what They're just a, a, a lure to get people into the same room, to get them mingling, to get them talking, and to, to get them opening up their networks to each other. So while the seminars are great and we've had some great big names, the purpose for me was always just getting people together building that rapport with everybody and, and starting to create a bit of a, a community and a culture. And um, it just, you know, it just doesn't work as well online. It would definitely make sense. It would be a lot easier. You could get big name presenters from anywhere quite easily. Um, but yeah, it, this is a physical group that needs to meet frequently. And, you know, as, if it sounds outdated, it may, but it's, I think the networking portion is what's going to make this group, you know, stronger moving forward. Yeah, it's not to say we won't have presenters in. For sure, that's definitely something of interest. But how do we promote and get coaches within to have a voice and to sort of start to promote themselves and feel confident speaking about topics and, and you know, bringing science forward to have really good discussions with other coaches to learn? So we've got a lot of good coaches in here, a lot of good people that are really knowledgeable, have great skill sets um, that can provide huge value to the team. and most of the people that were in there will do it for well people are doing it for nothing right now on the forums uh, we'll do live q a's coming up so with uh, getting some of the coaches uh and that's why i want to put that little team together um with the people who who sort of like elite are helping us at the moment very active but they're really bringing um, good knowledgeable information to the table there we want to create an environment that fosters growth within and promotes opportunity from Victorian strength and conditioning, like Victorian athletic performance coaches perspective. Um, because if we start thinking globally too fast, you end up uh, down the pathway of a page that does nothing, that just has a lot of um, self-marketing, but we wanna be a networking growth opportunity and um, education sort of space and, and discussion forum for the coaches of Victoria doesn't say, doesn't mean to say we don't allow other coaches from Australia in, um, although Victoria is the best state. <laughs> uh, it just means that we can foster the environment and control things a bit easier if we sort of have something aligned around where we are and and where we're going to host most of the stuff. Yeah, and I know you guys. I saw the poll you guys put up about you know contemplating whether we should bring in um, international coaches and, and other Australian only coaches. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of skill and talent, there's a lot of opportunity to network and bring a lot of amazing health professionals in. Um, you know, it sounds like a good idea in theory, but what, how do you guys think about that decision? Because 
you know, now it changes the group from maybe Melbourne other conditioning coaches, uh, coaches to Australia uh, athletic health professional something something, right? Yeah, and I think that's where you have to be careful about growth. And if we're going to have this like and really keep it as, as it was intended with the, the more local networking, I think we have to start with just focus on our state, Victorian. If a coach is in Victoria and they leave or we bring them in for a, a seminar, I mean, we'd love to have some of those people who are at the top of the game, so like the very best in our network there because they can provide high value. So if there's a really good coach who we know in our industry that wants to join the page that we know will provide value, we'd love to have those people in. Um, but if we open up the floodgates too quickly now, we won't be able to sort of control like, it's not control, but I guess direct the current group back into where we want to get going again. So I feel like you have to be careful on the numbers game. And it's not just about 10,000, but it's about a thousand people that are really active and working hard because okay, I could have 20,000 people tomorrow, but if only five people are putting in effort, it's useless. Yeah. I need a thousand people putting in a thousand people's worth of effort to really have something strong that, that provides what we want it to do. So uh, yes, we want growth, uh, but we want to make sure that we're smart and just, again, a slow approach, a slow, a slow approach, making sure that we, we know what people want to get out of it and then see what happens next. Like definitely, um, no, there's scope for a bigger Australia version, but maybe that's a, another day, another thing that, that we do as a second part of it. And the strength in this group comes from the engagement. There's, it's such an engaging group of people. And one thing I've noticed about our industry is how passionate people are about this topic of exercise science, strength and conditioning. It's one of the most passionate industries I've ever been a part of. And harnessing that is actually quite easy. You'll find that you'll get a lot of engagement. You don't need a massive amount of people, but that thousand people in the, in the, in the Facebook page at the moment is just so engaging every time you put up a post you get 70 100 150 you know comments of people chiming in with with their input and it's fantastic in that sense and it was a really positive experience you know all i had to do was really facilitate it and you know as you as you as you go forward and the group sort of starts to grow empowering other people and as part of the group to start moderating and facilitating as well as you as you grow things absolutely you know, I'm just going through it now, guys, and you know, I'm just trying to see what what you're talking about, both of you, in regards to the engagement, and um, to see the consistent amount of people that are just posting things on on different topics is definitely really encouraging. Um, but before I keep going, because I, I'm really enjoying this conversation and how important it is, I think, for this industry in Victoria, I spoke to Mike and he's good, but James, do you have to go? As you got a hard one hour, or are you okay to? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, I can keep going. Appreciate that. Um, so, well, I want to give you guys the space and time to, to talk about the group as much as you want as well because it is pretty important. Um, is there anything in the future, I mean, you guys talked about it a little bit, that you guys are planning um, that you wanted to, to talk about or that you're looking forward to for 2020, 2021? I think it would just be getting that first networking event going again so the first live workshop will be pretty cool i think everyone's hanging out for a live event with people so right. <laughs> getting in a space with with people that um you know you're creating relationships through social media channels because 
things are starting to pick back up. You like what they're, you're seeing of them, but being actually able to meet some of these people face to face and have discussions and get things going down that pathway will be will be uh, really exciting. Um, and then, it, honestly, at the moment, it's just it's just about getting the, like getting the discussions. Like I'm excited to learn from other people and see what their thoughts are. And you know, I have some strong opinions on a, on a few things, and it's always good to hear what other people are thinking about topics. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm open to always evolving and changing my mind about things based on what I think is important information. And I feel like we're just starting to scratch the surface and uh, we've got some top, good topics coming up and some of the comments that are coming through uh, really, really, really good. That's exciting. I think, I think if you're not challenging your own beliefs on a daily basis, then it's a day wasted, you know. Everyone that has their strong opinions, but you need to be able to put them aside and try and hear other people's points and even try and justify their points because I think that helps you grow as a person and especially grow as a leader, you know? I have fairly strong opinions, but you know, they're my opinions. I understand they're my opinions and I'm also quite open to hearing other people's and why they're so strong and passionate about theirs as well. I love yeah, challenging my beliefs. And look, we're going through phase a, a new phase again in our industry where um, things are coming back to the front again and things are changing. So we've been hammering, hammering glutes and hammies for the last little while. And now that's shifted to everything's foot and ankle, foot, ankle, feet training, barefoot's coming back in. Um, the evolving field of S&C is continually evolving and changing. And we're seeing some big, um, I think with social media, what's happened right now is that we're, we're getting more creative and people are creating things that we never thought would happen from other times. And whether that is to actually help top end performance um, is always debatable because if we don't have some sort of actual research and data to prove it, a lot of times people won't say, well, that wasn't the key thing, but robustness and resilient athletes and how we provide S and C style training to minimize any potential risk of injuries, which, we know is never um, perfect, I think is where we're seeing the biggest changes and growth in our industry. So having conversations and discussions around these things that are happening and getting ideas from other coaches and people, but um, rather than just a quick comment that's actually written out thorough, goes people going off, finding some research to pop into things, the, the evolution of the knowledge you'll be able to obtain will, will fast track your performance as a coach because a lot of times when you're learning, you're dictated by what they want you to learn. And so you won't have the differing opinions on one post. Whereas right now within the scope of this group, it's like, here's a, here's a topic. And then you might get three or four slightly different opinions, but there's a commonality between them. So you can really upskill that's yourself. A really, that's a really interesting point. Like I, I find this field so interesting in an empirical evidence-based field where there is scientific fact you can have two people read the same paper and have completely different interpretations of it because behaviorally and psychologically, we're wired differently. We see things from a different angle. And I love being able to have robust discussions with people around a topic that you think you know and you've interpreted from the scientific literature and then them throwing a completely different swing on it and you know, you, you gaining some more perspective on something that seems so simple. And I think you know, the most important thing I've done in my career is surround myself with as many different coaches as possible and learn a million different ways or a thousand ways to skin a cat. You know, the end result will always be the same, but 
you know, your stage for A, B, C, D will be completely different. And I love that about this industry. It's exciting. Well, we get stuck. We get stuck, and it's something we we try and we try we do we teach in our Cert Three and Four is um, critical thinking and understanding biases and understanding how we trap ourselves into things like confirmation bias. We are just looking for information to just prove what you already know, and you just that's it. You're in this tight circle of just you know whatever ideology that you uh, go down. And I think what you guys are talking about is so important because we need to be able to have open, honest conversations, which is what the group and that type of thinking will facilitate is the open-minded ability to argue both sides of the perspective, irrespective of your ideology or emotion towards what you believe. And this is, this is why the group was so important initially. Everyone had those locked-in opinions. Yeah. They were you know, staunch in those opinions because they weren't meeting with the people that had differing opinions. Right. They weren't exposing themselves to that different perspective. As soon as we got them in the group and they're actually able to, to communicate and have a chat, I found people were really open to hearing other people's sides and it started to build this, this different perspective of things. And that's why I think the group has been so important over the years, especially for me. I mean, I've met some, you know, some interesting cats. Shout out to Dougie Boxel, the Douglet. Um, you know, I've met some interesting people with some really different ways of doing things, which has really shaped the way I see things as well. For me, I love to question my core beliefs. Why do I have these beliefs? Where do they come from? And why are they so important to me and ingrained? What, what experiences in my life have shaped me to be the way I am? And what experiences can I continue to have or, you know, engagement with other people can I continue to have to change those? Exactly. People, people are the most interesting thing to me. And I think that's why I sort of moved across into the field that I'm in now It's business development. There's a lot of networking. There's a lot of meeting different peoples from the industry, engaging with different contractors and different manufacturing and engineers for design. And, you know, I love that. I love meeting new people and seeing how they do things and seeing if I can apply any of that to my life and my operation. Absolutely. Awesome. Mike, did you have anything you wanted to touch on there? No, nah, no. Nah, nah. I think um, uh, based on the topics and, and the discussions around what we want, I feel like uh, we really hammered home the, the key elements of what we wanted to let people understand about, um, you know, why we do what we do and, and, and like yeah. the type of um, people who we are as, as uh, individuals as well, because um, I think it's, that's part of learning. It's learning about people and their stories and, and how they've formed opinions and philosophies and, um, yeah, it's really it's really important. This is what this is what discussing things is really important for us, and this is how we get forward by having more opportunities for these sorts of things. Absolutely. I mean, probably one of the last places I want to finish off is, you know, there's we've always had this these titles: personal trainer, strength <laughs> coach, strength and conditioning coach, allied health professional. That's a protected um, term, though. Um, but it's like it's like a pool of different terms, and it's not like you're a doctor or you're a, or you're a physio. It's like the general population a lot of the times is, I don't know, especially in this country. So I wonder how you guys pass out the difference between an S&C coach, like or some people call themselves, you could be a functional medicine practitioner, you could be uh, just a holistic health practitioner. There's so many different ways to <laughs> approach this. How do you guys think about that? I might, I might jump in quick here, James. Um, I was ve- really strong on early on on just being a strength and conditioning coach, and I was like, nah, 
this is this is uh who i am and this is what my qualification is and this is what i want to be known for strength and conditioning and then um buzzwords and uh franchise companies get a hold of things and start branding their uh, model of training as strength and conditioning and i was just like basically what the fuck uh, sorry about swearing don't want to swear on podcast like to keep it pg no but um and i was just like this is so confusing and so annoying and and all that hard work like um you know we we go off we get our degree we do our um, governing body registrations with ASCA. we then many of us now do our master's degrees and whatnot get our experience only to then be called the same as someone who a lot of these franchise owners don't even uh, have any qualification they just buy in mm-hmm. so for me i was like this is you know uh, a changing time a changing tune and one thing that we're pushing forward now is like uh being down this path and, and why we say that we're more than just a niche of a strength coach a conditioning coach a speed coach or a nutritionist we're saying athletic performance and our goal is improving athletic performance so we're starting to now look into the term of branding our coaching and what we do as athletic performance training athletic performance coaches and i think that reflects the growth and why where this group wants to go because we need to stand out we need to let people know that we're not the same as the other people the um you know starting out in their journeys that might only have only done their search ring for or bought a franchise and, and and brand that they're doing strength and conditioning because they're not lying they might do some form of strength training and they might do some form of conditioning but athletic performance training encapsulates everything every other aspect of improving the physical attributes to help your athlete perform at their sport so for us that's something that we're pushing strongly for from mfp um, and we want to sort of continue that path and that's why i wanted to push forward to change the name to victorian athletic performance coaches because I want people to understand the difference between athletic performance training and what we're trying to achieve with the mental um, and the physical together uh, and, and sort of where our industry has evolved to. And I was just want to give you the space there, but um, the thing about athletic performance coaches, right? That's definitely more specific. It's more like well-rounded, right? But even, even that is like, well, does this mean this is only about athlete development because if we look at performance like the title of your your business like performance mm. encapsulates like total human performance like just as a human being too so how do you think about like yeah. all right do we change do we not even put athletic in there do we just keep it oh performance? define athletic define athletic right athletic is just like um a show or display of oh, yeah, certain uh, qualities. Yeah. human athleticism it's not athlete performance okay so we went with athletic okay. because of that process that we wanted sense. it to be broad still and open up that athletic performance training can be for someone who's recovering from an, uh, a knee pain that might not actually be an athlete right. you need to actually train back to your physical best to get beyond that scope of that current pain um, or changing your body or, or being as healthy and as best you can because most people have an activity or hobby that they associate why they train with whether that's running around with your kids being athletic for them or being athletic for your Sunday rides you go to the gym and you do this other training but what's the best scope for that and athletic performance training encapsulates the idea and the holistic approach of what we do um, as you know how we sort of improve physical attributes to improve either sports performance or life performance that's a really important distinction james did you want to touch on anything there 
Yeah, the, the title thing comes up a lot and has come up a lot over the years and I think will probably continue to come up as well. Like you say, this is possibly the reason why we don't have the respect or credibility out there is because we don't have a defined definition of what we actually are. You know, if we were able to say we're a doctor, people understand what a doctor is and what they do. But because there's so much ambiguity around it, we go to a sports club and they go, oh, you're a PT, basically. You know, there's no distinction between the two. And I think what needs to happen in this industry is there needs to be a designated definition for what we do, which is probably exercise scientists based off a bachelor's degree. You know, and I think it probably, that is a broad spectrum and that does encompass a lot of different different roles that you may play. But, you know, a doctor's a doctor. They may be a cardiologist, but they're a doctor. Everyone understands that. I think we need to have a uniting theme, which theme, which would be, we are an exercise scientist. We need to start pushing that same thing so that when we go to a new organization, people are like, oh yeah, exercise scientists. I understand what that is. You may have a specialist niche, but you're an exercise scientist as a, as a baseline. No one introduced themselves to that though, right? It's like you do Never. a degree, like, you're, what's that? Oh, you know. It's about- not as sexy. No. It, it it's not sexy, else. but it's-, it's not sexy, but it, it explains, if you understand the connotations of exercise scientists, it explains the what you but do I, really well, but it doesn't sell it. But I think if we, it doesn't sell it because people don't know what it is. Yeah. If we're yeah. all pushing exercise scientists for the next three or four years, people will go, oh yeah, sweet. It's like doctors don't go off calling themselves medical professionals. I'm a physiology specialist. I'm, it, it would yeah. be, create ambiguity. You it's wouldn't know time. who you were seeing, but if everyone's singing off the same song sheet and right. going, I am an exercise scientist. I specialize in blah, 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 blah. Then when they next meet one, they're going to go, all right, I know what an exercise scientist is. There's now a created or a definitive role or scope of practice for what you guys are. And I think this is once again, where regulating bodies, not to mention any names are, are struggling here. They, they push the higher level, the, the rehabilitation specialists, the EPs, but they don't actually push exercise scientists. We're a, we're a gray area where you're a transition degree into physio, into EP, into you know, whatever you're else you're going to do. And I think that discredits us completely. We need a strong theme. We need someone pushing exercise science and we need that message just constantly being delivered so that people understand what an exercise scientist is. How do we change it? What do you guys do? What do we do? Power numbers. No, we just got to, it's, it's again, we got to be, you got to be smart in your approach. If you come out and just start bad mouthing everyone tomorrow, then all that hard work to get to where we are right now, it's you're discrediting it. And there's a lot of hard work that's been done to get to where we are. Think back 10 years ago, there was, you know, 10 years ago when it was all starting out, there was nothing. So you have to have something to continually grow. And if we're not trying to evolve what's currently there, then it's foolish if we just sit here and do nothing. And that's how humans have evolved. Like, look at what we can do now, technology. 50 years ago, you couldn't do this. 40 years, 30 years, this was non-existent. So, uh, it's just the nature of humans wanting to evolve and do better. And that's why we challenge ourselves uh, to continually evolve and, and, and to find new strategies and ideas and, and to push forward. And organizations that are newer versus organizations that are older will, will take time to find their, their feet and, and where they really truly fit within the scope of everything. And I think it's just um, we've got to keep fighting the good fight. We've got good people that are leading that charge at the moment, but we need to be we need to be smart in the approach and, and have some humility and be a bit humble at times and um, not just too full on and forthright in our um, discussions and approaches. And 
you know, actually reach out and work and try to work with the, the people at the top because it's one of those things. If you've got friends and people you like and you get to a position at the top somewhere, you're probably going to pull someone along with you because they have a bias towards what you currently have. And if we can create the next threshold and the next wave and come together and form different opinions and work together and then keep evolving that, I think there's opportunity for us within our industry to to help improve and evolve what's what's there. And it's not that it's bad. It's just it can get better. And things can always evolve and get better. And that's why technology gets better every year. We can always continue. And that's our mindset that we have to continue with. Okay. How do you guys... I, Go ahead, James. A good, a good book on that, if you're interested in the cognitive revolution, is Sapiens. I just finished oh, it recently. Love uh, it. How good is that? Absolutely unbelievable. How many knowledge bombs are just like, what? That's what I... I I think every two pages I had like a whoa yes, yes. mind expanding yes. experience from that book and it's just it, it's a, an absolute field of gold nuggets for you know our cognitive revolution and industrial revolution yeah. and agriculture all that sort yeah. of stuff but particularly the cognitive how did our species come to be what it is now oh mind blowing Absolutely. yeah and we need, we need to respect it because at the end of the day like people that discredit the work and, and the efforts that have been done by others before us it, you can't because you wouldn't be in this position exactly. with the thoughts you have without it yeah. and so you just have to keep working hard to to make a change and i think uh, power numbers but you have to do it smart so how we do it and that's why it won't be just like tomorrow we come out and say we've got a thousand coaches we demand change um it can work protests and riots can work to a degree but it creates disharmony and then you end up fighting against other people too much so you need to find a another strategy in in this environment because um it, it takes a bit of time but we have good hope because if you think about it and drawing reference back to sapiens we are the sum of genetic evolutions that every single lineage that we have to be more successful than the last generation in the environment that we're part of this is why we're so dynamic and why we're able to actually shift our environment to match us and we're the first group of or first species on the planet to actually change the environment to suit us every generation we evolve slightly more we're that dynamic in our cognitive um cognitive abilities that we will always be moving forward and and becoming a more superior or more successful version than our dads, than our granddads, and our great granddads. That is that is the aim, mm. and that is the pursuit, right? Definitely. Um, the last awesome. thing, I, you know, we talk about S and C and PT. How do we how do we merge that, right? How do we correspond that education together? Because you know, Olfik, as we we train, we prepare the students to be um, do the Cert three and four and become coaches and personal trainers. But then there's this SNC over here that can be pretty daunting. How do we merge those two education um, blocks together? It, it, it's really tough because you, at the end of the day, there are governing bodies in place for those regulations to regulate those industries. So it's like um, universities have to meet certain criteria with the students to in order to allow them to have the qualification. So at three and four, you have to meet certain criteria. So yeah. I think it's about uh, the next wave of uh external opportunities within mentorships and growth opportunities that we're seeing happening now is the private industry in australia is lifting up and then all the companies within that scope are now starting to bring out their mentorship programs which aligns with their systematic approach to training um i guess snc in a group-based environment or one-on-one environment 
and all the gaps of information that we've missed or we felt like we really wish we had early on in our careers. And that's where our big next step. And I don't think that you, I think the problem is that you, you're not just going to come in tomorrow and say that you don't have to do Cert 3 and 4. You can go do one of these mentorships and that's your qualification because that's the framework that's been set as part of it. But it's about integrating the two together mm, because absolutely. at university, you have to show like a lot of people uh, bag out on university, but at the end of the day, it's it shows um, a bit of work ethic and a formula that you have the capacity to self-learn and to... Um, put yourself in a, in a stressful situation where you have to hit tasks, complete the tasks and evolve and, and sorry, come out with a, a minimum quiet of knowledge to showcase that, you know, about topics. What we do know though, in our industry is that the biggest issue is the practical side of it. And I think that reflects back to the coaches then actually themselves spending time going in and doing the craft. So big emphasis on them actually training. And, and actually doing all the stuff that they are going to try and get people to do when they come out on the other side. So not just taking up the knowledge, but also taking up the, the physical side of it. And I think that's where we need to push the students at that level. So Cert 3 and 4, I don't think will change fast. I think it's it, we're going to get better, better providers, better people involved in those um, in that environment. And then linking real world mentorship programs from yeah. private practice SNC facilities into a curriculum style, which we're seeing. There's some really good ones out there right now and there'll be more coming because um, that's the information that we know we didn't get and we want to package back for the students and, and the next wave of coaches to in order to help them um, get a step ahead of us realistically, which leads us to then them being better than us at a younger age and which is good. Us, us being the next gen of old ones that um, you know try to have our wisdom and our say, yeah. but we have to let the next generation come forward. Absolutely. That's a, that's a positive outcome is, you know, like the 10 year olds and 12 year olds of the 2020 are like the, the 15 year olds or 18 year olds of like 1990s, right? It's like that involvement. Um, I want to give you, do you guys have any last, I'll probably finish it here to be respectful of your time. Do you guys have any last thoughts, asks of our audience? Um, or just where just, people can find you guys? Just on that last topic, you know, I, I did my PT course before I did, you know, any tertiary education. Mm -hmm. And I got stuff out of that that I didn't get out of my degree. Of course. You know, your tertiary education is theoretical. It gives you the underpinning principles of philosophy, or physiology and anatomy, mm -hmm. which you, and you go into great depth of that. You understand the physiological processes of everything. But in my PT course, it was much more engaging. It was much more based on dealing with human beings, practical application of coaching. I think that, you know, both things do what they do very well. I think that a Cert 3 and Cert 4 is very focused on people engaging with clients, actually being in a gym, actually communicating, building rapport, you know, understanding how to communicate properly to people. And I think that the tertiary side of things is very geared at research, understanding the, the principles at play or the underlying principles at play. And look, you need to have those building blocks of physiology and anatomy and an understanding of how to manipulate the variables to stimulate adaptation. But they teach you absolutely nothing about being in front of someone, building rapport and actually coaching. And you know, whatever way you need to go about it, I think a Cert 3 and a Cert 4 is really good at that. A mentorship, 
you know, it could be really good at that as well, but you need to have that aspect which is missing from most tertiary education. And I think that's actually a good thing because if we, yeah. if, if that was perfect and then you came out of your tertiary education and you were like ready to walk into a elite team and be a, an elite coach, then there would be no more opportunity for the rest of us. So having opportunities to then, and, and the right mindsets go out and find uh, more education because like, you know, you get enough information from three years, but we've all done uni and we all know that you, you could easily spend a lot more time studying stuff and you can spend more time on perfecting your craft whilst you're at university, but you're also enjoying yourself because you're in, you're, you're in your early twenties. Um, you know, you need to let that time also allow to, to be a, a young human and enjoy yourself. Um, I, if I looked back now, the one thing I would have done is I would have, uh, most likely if I, if I had the mindset I do now, take a gap year, work, make money, travel, six months work, six months travel, go to uni, study, enjoy uni, and then do what I did, which was go work for a couple of years before my master's. I think it's really important because you need to find where your weaknesses are and you need to fill the holes. You can't expect that you're going to come out of one course or, or one university degree or one cert three and four and be ready to go perfectly. It's an evolving process. And that's why um, I, I don't think that they're bad. And I think it's actually good because it allows other business to come forward from it and opportunities for people um, external to it. But you have to have some underpinning knowledge and some pathway within that. And I think that's why they won't change. And it's not that they should, but the stuff around it and what we provide is going to be better. Whereas in the past, PTs used to do a Swiss ball certification or um, a box fit, but they weren't a boxing coach. Now they're looking at, you know, strength training pro, um, workshops and events, um, strength and conditioning, speed. They're looking into different elements of the industry because it's evolved. So I think it's actually not a bad thing because it provides other opportunities for people. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask, because you brought up, Mike, you said something you tell your like, younger self. James, what would be something you would tell your younger self or just like PTs and coaches just starting out? Something you wish you knew. Probably similar to what Mike said. Life experience is what is what is going to deem whether you're successful or not. Your industry doesn't matter. If you've exposed yourself to as many different cultures and experiences in life as possible, you gain a wisdom that you can't learn from staying in one suburb and growing up in the same place. When I was 19, I jumped on a plane, flew to the UK and joined the RM Commandos. I served over there. And during that time, I moved from country to country. I lived in Norway. I lived in the Middle East. You know, I lived in Europe. We travel. I lived in the States and the Caribbean. You know, I spent seven years pretty much traveling the world with a pretty unique group of individuals and being exposed to so many different, you know, environments and so many different situations and I came back and it, it's priceless you know travel see the world indulge go be a, go invest in as many different cultures as you can just broaden your horizons and gain a perspective on life because when you come back you'll be hyper focused and you'll have skills that you can't learn and no one else will be able to develop and you can apply them to absolutely anything and that's how you'll be successful yeah I, I can't harp on the the gap between the for unless you're going down like the pathway of which is 
printed for you physio or ep but between an exoscience degree and a master's if you can give yourself a couple of years um to get some real world experience and whether that's some traveling and or work it'll allow you to grasp more concepts from it and get more out of it because i feel like the master's degree actually was really good um i felt there was a lot of really good stuff that i took out of mine from ecu so shout out to them and their team um and I know the other ones in Australia are really good, but I feel like it was better that I didn't go straight into it because after three years of study, you are kind of like overstudy. It's like, I've been studying my whole life up to this point as, as a kid, really school, a primary school, high school, university, taking a little bit of a break away, I think is crucial to um, your development as a human. And that's where you can go off and learn a lot of different skills and things and find uh, other experiences, which you can then bring back to what you want to do next. Absolutely. Look, awesome. uh, guys, I would hopefully we can do this one day in person. I'd love to chat to you guys in the future um, in person one day. Um, and to put out there, you know, if you guys need help, assistance, is there anything we can do as whether it's an individual, me, or as a company, Orphic Education, you know, having access to hundreds of, in the future, thousands of students, then we'd love to be a part of it and help you guys out, spread the message and strengthen those numbers and get quality individuals helping to network and bring people over and uh, facilitate conferences whatever you guys need um, just let us know and we'd be happy to do what we can thanks guys thanks for today it's great convo really appreciate, appreciate it. it no problem is anywhere awesome. people can find you anywhere uh, you guys want people to go mine's on uh, my picture already yeah very good <laughs> Love that. Never, never miss an opportunity to market absolutely James and guys, if you need, you know, exercise equipment designed oh, yeah. by strength and conditioning coaches for strength and conditioning coaches, Iron Edge. Everything, our entire team is exercise, sports science, strength and conditioning coaches. You know, we heavily gear all of our equipment to what we see the industry needing and specific requirements of the industry. So if you're looking for any of that stuff, we've got a lot of stuff in stock. Hit us up. Love it. Thank Get you, guys. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Cheers guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Guys, that was James Russell and Michael Crichton. They, I'm going to put on the screen for you guys. Make sure if you're a strength and conditioning coach that you guys join their uh, join their group, um, which is Melbourne Strength and Conditioning Coaches, which will uh, change in the future, I'm sure, um, as we talked about uh, in this in this um, conversation. We got for those who don't know, um, Orphic Education. We are a company that deliver certificate threes and fours in fitness. Our mission is trying to create and actually creating and delivering the most comprehensive, detailed, high-level, practical in-person uh, cert threes and fours in this country. That is our mission and something we are working very hard um, over the last couple of years to mold, create, and deliver. Um, we do these podcasts every week. Uh, Orphic Education, you guys can, can find us on all social media. If you guys want to see these podcasts, then it's on all audio platforms. YouTube is where, and Facebook is where you can see the videos. We've talked to a bunch of amazing health professionals and coaches from across the country. Um, and so, guys, stay tuned for that. We're going to be, like we do these coaches roundtable, where we talk to you know guys like Athletes Authority, Woodford, Adonis Athletics, Peak conditioning, formidable, 
um, all the individuals like Brett B, Durham McInnes, Steph Lowe, and then uh, soon in the future, um, Dave O'Brien um, and some professionals from Bulk Nutrients, which we will announce soon. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I really did, and I look forward to talking to those guys again in the future. I'm Alexander Emanuel. You guys can find me everywhere on the internet. Otherwise, we will see you guys next week. And if you need anything from us or you got any requests for guests, please let us know. Stay well, stay healthy, stay strong. We'll see you guys next week.